What's up everybody, John Dornboss here, and I know what you're thinking. Wait a minute, is that the guy that played 14 years in the NFL? Eh, no big deal. Or you might be thinking, that's the magician from America's Got Talent. And I've seen him on the Ellen DeGeneres show. And there's a good chance you're looking at the screen right now going, I got no idea who you are, pal, nor do I really care. So let's just keep this puppy moving. It is time for the ACEC annual convention going from June 11th to June 14th. And if you haven't registered, what are you doing? Go to www.acec.org and register right now. This is the biggest event in engineering and you can have your voice heard by Congress. And let's face it, you got a fantastic lineup of speakers, including this guy. Definitely don't wanna miss that one. Like I said, make sure you're registered, secure your ticket, and I will see all of you in June. Welcome to Engineering Influence, a podcast from the American Council of Engineering Companies. And today we're going to be looking at our newest issue of the Engineering Business Sentiment Report, which comes out of the ACEC Research Institute. And we're looking at Q2 of 2023. And this report is a great snapshot in time. It gives you an idea about how our industry executives are feeling in terms of uh, optimism about the economy, about their industry market sectors and, and where they see opportunities for growth. And to go into this, I'm very pleased to be joined by Joe Bates, uh, our researcher at the ACEC Research Institute. Joe, uh, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Jeff. It's always a pleasure to talk with you about the business sentiment studies that we do. Yeah, you know, we look at this and, and we have some trends that we always take a look at, especially when it comes to uh, optimism on the general economy as a whole um, and optimism about the industry. And even though we're in some uncertainty regarding the economy and what the Fed is doing and, and, and all this worry about recession, it seems as though optimism amongst industry CEOs about the performance for the uh, engineering industry seems fairly stable and high. Can you go into that a little bit more detail? What are you seeing uh, uh, compared to Q1? Yeah, it's really interesting what we're seeing right now with the current business sentiment for the U.S. economy. We have seen a slight uptick in sentiment overall, so that is encouraging to see. But we've had a huge disconnect between the perceptions of the U.S. economy and the perceptions of the architectural engineering and design services industry itself. And what we've been seeing since we started conducting this research in the fourth quarter of 2021 is that the sentiment for the industry as well as for firm finances continues to be extraordinarily high. And we've hit new highs in this quarter. We were already in the plus 80% area when it comes to the net ratings. And just a quick note about net ratings. When we talk about net ratings, we take the percent positive and subtract the percent negative from it. So it gives you the overall balance of sentiment. And we're seeing really, really strong levels of sentiment among the industry and firms. So, you know, we, we haven't been in a better position. The other thing that's really, really interesting, and I'm, I'm gonna start to call this the longest awaited recession in history because 
for the last year plus, we've seen future sentiment is very pessimistic. And we saw a downturn in overall future sentiment regarding the US economy that pulled down future sentiment for the industry, but still firm sentiment about their own finances 12 months from now improved. So there's this huge disconnect in many different areas. And I think it's just this pervasive pessimism about what's going to happen in the future. But we're seeing that when the future arrives, its uh, reality is much different. Seems to be, I don't know that it's unique. I mean, in your look at the economy as a whole, do you think that engineering kind of has that special place? I mean, is there, is, is there anything unique about it that, you know, everybody personally thinks, well, things are great for me, but, you know, if I'm looking out in the national economy, things are going to go south and and it just never materializes. I mean, where where is this collect? And, and I know that recessions are mental, right? 99% of the time you're in a recession because you feel like it or like, you know, I know I'm in a recession, you know, because... You know, my neighbor lost his job and, and you know, um, I'm in a depression if I do. You know, it's 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 um, what's your feeling here? Because it is the most long awaited recession that apparently hasn't come. Yeah. So what we're seeing, I think, are a couple different factors at play. One is the IIJA, the Infrastructure and Investment Jobs Act that has absolutely buoyed our industry and if we do have a mild recession this year our industry will not see a recession there will certainly be some firms who perhaps they are focused only on the private sector and most of the iija is focused on public sector projects but um so there will be some firms who maybe feel that pinch but overall the industry is going to be very very strong because of the iija the other thing at play here is that we have a shortage of labor. So there is more work than can be handled right now. And that means that some projects are simply going to be delayed and can't be, uh, can't be put into process until we get through some of this backlog that we have. I, uh, what are you hearing from the engineering firm executives that you've surveyed uh, in terms of uh, confidence in, in the IIJA being implemented properly, that the money getting out uh, to the states is getting out as it should and that it's getting to the projects. Um, do you have any detail on on, on how uh, executives are feeling? Yeah, we asked for the first time a question about whether contracts are being delayed or not, whether signing contracts have, have come through at an appropriate pace. And only one-fifth of firms indicated that they are seeing some slowdown in the pace of contracts being approved and signed. And the vast majority of those are telling us it's because of staffing shortages, either on the client end or on their end. So we're not in the survey seeing a lot of challenges with the monies being dispersed other than the agencies are having some challenges because they're also experiencing staffing short shortages. And that reinforces what we hear from our own member executives at the state level and the firms that, of course, are active that, you know, it's just not on their end, but it's also on the agency's end of keeping people and helping staff up the agencies 
And that's something which I think is an important piece of the puzzle because we're looking at this from an industry, not just a question about how many people are, in, are hired at engineering firms, but being that trusted advisor of helping agencies that are short-staffed, of helping them actually guide through the process of getting these projects, these contracts out because it's it's one of those situations where it's a win-win if there's sufficiencies at the agency level and, and, and that the firms that are working with them can be that advisory relationship and continue that relationship. It helps make sure that the, the projects get out on time. Um, another area that, that I really find interesting in the report comes down to the trends in different market sectors. Um, and for a while, residential commercial real estate has been a hot market. Um, data centers and the like um, have, have also been pretty strong. Uh, education and recreational, um, those kind of markets have been softer. Uh, what are you seeing now as we kind of come into the second half of, uh, of 2023? Yeah, we're still seeing a continuation of what we saw late last year and early this year that sectors that are really being affected by the IIJA, so roads, bridges, airports, any transportation-related areas, water and wastewater, those are all being buoyed by the IIJA and have the, the highest levels of current sentiment. Um, and we still see that disconnect regarding future sentiment, even at the sector level, but but we continue to see very strong levels of sentiment in most of those areas. But as you said, commercial real estate, that is one that we're seeing going downhill and in terms of current sentiment. Residential has evened out a little bit. Um, I think we saw some flatness here or a slight gain in this last quarter, but the commercial, we're still seeing that taking a pretty good hit. So I think looking toward the rest of the year, we might see residential level off, but if we do hit a mild recession, we might see that falter again. There's so many elements at play that are hard to predict there, but healthcare has been a very bright spot as well. So I think most segments are doing very well and all segments have current positive sentiment. It's just that we see in a few of those areas that we talked about, the declining current sentiment is still at play. From the commercial side of things, is it that we've kind of reached a point of equilibrium with demand? Um, or is it kind of a fear of that recessionary push on the commercial side that you do have that collective anxiety about a recession? So developers are starting to you know, hold off a bit on, on plans for new development. You know, we, we don't really ask specific questions about that, but I'll give you my gut feeling on it. One is that we're still feeling the effects of the pandemic in the commercial market sector. Um, you know, we, we have not seen employers en masse go back to full time in the office. We are seeing employers go back and saying, okay, we know we said we're going to be remote forever, but mm, we're not going to do that anymore. So, you know, that we're seeing that people are moving back into the offices, but there is still excess supply. And that's really what's happening. I'm not so sure it's because people are concerned about the potential, <laughs> the continued potential of an upcoming mild recession. I think it's more so overhang from the pandemic. That makes sense. 
So is there anything else that really strikes you in this report compared to uh, the past few that have, that have come out that, that's kind of made you take note? Yeah, you know, there's a few tidbits in there that I think are really compelling. So one is we've been asking about people, we've been asking why people give the future sentiment ratings that they do give. And we're seeing inflation concerns and recession concerns. Those have been the top two issues since we started tracking those issues three quarters ago. But something that's a little bit buried in the report, but I think is really interesting and bears watching is political concerns and uncertainty jumped nine percentage points in terms of its concern level and is now the third item on those lists of concerns. So that's a real interesting thing to watch. Another area that really jumps out at me is inflation concerns, which have been there for a while, but specifically, we're seeing overall inflation in the U.S. economy come down. It was hit its peak of 9.1% in June of last year, and in April of this year, we saw it edging down again to 4.9%. So we're seeing moderation, real good improvement in terms of the overall inflation numbers in the economy, but what's hitting firms in our industry is wage inflation. So a year ago, we asked what, if you saw increases in your average salaries among new hires as well as existing staff. And nine out of 10 firms are telling us that they are experience, they experienced increases last year in the prior 12 months. Well, we asked it again in this quarter. and. What we see is that those wage inflation pressures are growing. They are not receding. And I think that's another reason for this pessimism about the future that if firms are seeing wage increases of 10% year over year for the second year in a row, that's hitting the bottom line. That's hitting your profit margins because overall, most firms, if they are able to build in escalation clauses, we've found that the median is about 3%. So we are far outpacing those escalation clauses. And I think that's the real reason for concern among firm executives right now. That's a really important point. And it's something that I don't think gets enough attention is that while prices are falling, the general uh, consumer price index, that wage inflation is a significant contributor to the stress and anxiety. Um, and of course, you know, as we get into, I mean, at the time of this recording, we're about, oh, about three weeks out from our annual convention on legislative summit. I mean, from that perspective, our, our, our firm executives who are going up on the Hill to talk to policymakers, that's an important point to bring to their attention that while we're seeing a deflationary curve in the overall macro economy, that wage inflation is still considerable. And that goes to the workforce issues. That goes right into the available supply. I mean, it's a, it's a simple matter of supply and demand to an extent, isn't it, Joe? Absolutely. We just simply don't have enough engineers in this country, um, much less in our specific sector of the economy. And we need to see more 
graduates from our own colleges and universities, but even the numbers there are not enough. So we absolutely are going to have to look overseas for talent and whether that's outsourcing overseas or whether it's um, you know, H-1B visa reform, we, we don't have a short-term fix for this challenge right now. And even if we see a downturn in the overall economy and maybe in other sectors of the economy, engineers are laid off, we can pick some of those up for sure, but we simply do not have enough people in the pipeline. And, and this is a long-term concern that we have and we're, we're working on addressing that issue at multiple levels right now. Yeah, it's, a, it's an important point. It's one of our priorities when we go up to the Hill in June to meet with our elected members of Congress. And also, I think this is a good underscore of the importance uh, and the important work that the Research Institute does because it allows us as a group, as an industry, to come with some facts and data and actual numbers which are generated by the industry. Uh, so we ask the right questions and we talk to the right people that we can use as benchmarks for uh, either advocacy or just general education, that finally that we do own the numbers and the data that allows us to tell our story on our terms. So that's a considerable um, advantage that we have as an organization. So it's a credit to you and your work at the Institute for coming out with these uh, surveys. And they're available freely uh, up on the Institute website, which is acecresearchinstitute.org. Joe, what else is in the pipeline here that our members might be interested in knowing about when it comes to uh, the Institute? Because I know that you guys are, uh, uh, you guys started uh, uh, a little over two years ago and you've gone to from zero to 100 miles an hour on the research that you guys are doing. Well, we're planning on going to 200 miles per hour over the next year, Jeff, and we have a lot of great work in the pipeline. So we're going to update our economic forecast and contribution study that'll be released at fall conference in October. October, but we're also embarking on a very, very wide-ranging and ambitious firm of the future research plan. We're going to look at what will the firm of the future look like in the next generation. And we're going to not stop with workforce. We're going to look at technology. We're going to look at advocacy. We're going to look at all aspects of the firm in the future and try to understand what potential scenarios we might foresee. We're not gonna come out and say, this is what will happen in the future, but we're gonna say, this could happen, and if this happens, this is what it looks like, or this could happen, and if this happens, this is what it'll look like. So some pretty ambitious work we're embarking upon. It's gonna take a little time to get this going, but we are working on it right now. And another thing that is eminent that will be coming out in the next couple months is our diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging maturity model and benchmarking study. This is going to be open to all member firms, free to participate. And we're gonna announce this at uh, the, the, the launch of it, of course, the formal launch of it at the spring conference in June. And it should be open and available to start collecting data in July. So this is something that we have been working on for a long time and we finally are about to hit the go button on it. That's fantastic. That's a big issue for us, of course, in getting a benchmark of exactly what our industry looks like. Uh, its composition is going to help us kind of hone in on our efforts to better broaden the tent 
as far as the industry goes and allows us to go to, again, because the diversity, equity, and, and inclusion is an increasingly important issue, especially among some states that have certain requirements within their contracting that we're seeing these requirements, these uh, kind of creep into public contracting. And knowing what the makeup of our industry is going to allow us to address that a lot, a lot faster and more specifically. So that's a really important thing. And then also the point that you made about the firm of the future, you know, from an ACEC side, we started up a technology committee kind of in line with that to kind of figure out what technology is going to do to the industry. But the fact that you're going to be taking a look at what if beyond just technology, but also firm constitution, makeup, billing practices, exactly how is the firm of the future going to operate and be different from, from what we have now is, is a critical issue, especially as this industry continues to rapidly change in, in the face of a, of a changing marketplace. Um, so really looking forward to seeing what that is going to to, to result in, um, but I, uh, Joe, you're going to be uh, you're going to be with us in uh, in spring in in Washington. I plan on being there live and in person, Jeff. Well, anybody out there, I'll put the plug in because registration's open, and I'll tell you, this is one of the the best times for an, uh, anyone in the industry, whether you're an ACEC member or not. If you're engaged with an, or you are a member of uh, of an engineering firm, an employee of an engineering firm, this is the event uh, for the spring that allows us to not only practice our, our good old grassroots advocacy on the Hill, but also engage in education sessions. We have some fantastic speakers, including the president of the World Economic Forum. We have Dr. Mar uh, Marcy Rosell from the CNBC's chief economist. We've got Governor Chris Christie. Um, I talk about relevant from political sphere right there. So we've got great speakers, great education sessions, registrations open, and really encourage you to go to www.acez.org. Uh, ACEC.org to register for the event. And Joe is going to be there as well, so you can make sure to talk to him about the most interesting things coming out of the Institute. So, Joe, thanks again for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, this is great stuff. Um, when is the survey going to be finalized? I know there's a there's a final draft of that, that's circulating right now, but when's it going to be freely available up online? Yes, yeah, so we're doing our roundtable next week on Wednesday, and we'll be making that report available immediately following. Wonderful. So, Joe, thanks again. Joe Bates with the ACEC Research Institute. And uh, again, if you like this programming, what we're giving to you up here on the podcast, make sure to go and like and subscribe to our videos up on YouTube. Go over to our uh, website again and uh, like and subscribe on the audio version. You can get it wherever podcasts are distributed, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the like. So it helps us with your support keep this program going. And again, this has been Engineering Influence, a podcast from the American Council of Engineering Companies. And we'll see you next time.